This is Missouri Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. You know, in a manner of speaking, we are rounding third and headed for home. And no, I'm not talking about the St. Louis Cardinals, who are frankly rounding third and headed for home an awful lot, or the Kansas City Royals, which are... Uh, well, not rounding third or headed for home as much as a lot of people would like. Hey, I'm Mike Ferguson. Thanks for clicking on the Missouri Viewpoints podcast. No, I'm talking about the Missouri legislative session. Uh, We've got just under two weeks left, which means that this is the time of year when some bills get voted on and die, when some are passed after a frenzy of deal making, and when other bills just don't cross that proverbial finish line because, well, frankly, politicians run out the clock either as a matter of strategy or just because they don't want to have to answer for a vote on it. So they just let it die and say, oh, gee, sorry, we ran out of time. You're going to have to pardon my cynicism there. Uh, The Missouri Viewpoints podcast, yes, uh, we are back and we're going to have something for you pretty much every week. And as things warrant, maybe two or three podcasts a week, but generally we're going to have one a week. Now, just recently, I caught up with Senator Bill Eigel, a Republican who represents the state's 23rd district, and we covered a lot of what's happening, and he gave us kind of a preview of what to look for in these last couple of weeks or so of the Missouri legislative session. Uh, and I want to start with the tax credits, because over the past couple uh, of years, uh, we've seen the either zeroing out or the elimination of some tax credits. Namely, uh, we had the low-income housing tax credit, which uh, was just kind of zeroed out, big to do, very controversial years ago, the film tax credit. And these are both back on the table. What's the status right as, as we speak? I mean, what's the status of these two programs? Because I thought the film tax credit was just dead and buried. Well, you know, and, and these tax credits can a lot of times be uh, semi-controversial, controversial in the sense that uh, when we're giving out tax credits and tax breaks to certain industries and certain special interests, then we're taking that away from the other functions of the state and we're taking that away from our ability to cut taxes elsewhere. So we've got to be very careful about how we hand those out and uh, make sure we've done our due diligence and making sure that we're getting a good return for the state. I've generally been opposed to a lot of these tax credit programs, and that kind of leads me into the conversation about the low-income tax low-income housing tax credit uh, that was turned off for a couple years under Governor Greitens. Uh, We passed some legislation already this year that will get the program restarted, but it's going to take a haircut. Uh, Instead of about $170 million a year, that program will come back, and it'll only be about $120 to $125 million a year. So I was happy to see that. I fought for the reduction in that overall cap for that program. I think there is some good uh, that we get from that program, but I think we have to weigh that against the other needs of the state. I was pretty happy for it. As far as the film tax credit, uh, that one hasn't made it to the Senate floor, so we'll see if in the last three weeks we have time for that. I'd be surprised if it gets done this year. Let me ask you about the low-income housing tax credit. The criticism of that Mm -hmm. from both the Republican and Democratic state auditor over the last several years is that it's not efficient. Very small percentage of the dollar, every dollar of the tax credit actually went to hammers and nails and construction workers mm-hmm. uh, because you could sell them, you could, there's all kinds of different ways that it just wasn't an effective tax credit. Is the new plan any different than the old one or are there tweaks to make it more efficient? So I, I think you, you identified a few th- concerns I had. And now I'll, I'll, I'll say up front, uh, there have been some very good projects that have been completed in my Senate district 
uh, right here in St. Charles that have benefited from the LIHTC credit and probably wouldn't happen without the LIHTC credit. That being said, I, I recognize this criticisms about the, the tax credit for, for low-income housing not being very efficient. Uh, it is more efficient just from the changes in the tax law from the Trump tax cut from a couple years ago. So I think instead of uh, getting 50 to 60 cents on the dollar, I think that bumped it all the way up to 70 to 75 cents. So it's already going to be a little bit more efficient, but that's why we were pushing for some reductions in the program. Anytime you can get any reduction in any government program, it's a victory. We were able to reduce this one from 170 million to 120, 125 million. That's a pretty good compromise for one year's work. Let's talk about, um, you would have thought that uh, after a statewide vote that an issue is put to rest with the clean, what's known as Clean Missouri Amendment 1, um, radically changing how we are redrawing our districts in the state. Um, the criticism that uh, Republicans in particular are getting are saying, voters decided this, Senator. Um, why are we revisiting the redistricting now? Well, well, first of all, I think the Clean Missouri Initiative uh, uh, effort was probably one of the most dishonest efforts I've seen in politics since I've been engaged in the political process. Uh, on one hand, uh, folks point to a yes vote on Clean Missouri, but I frankly don't know what they said yes to. Was it campaign contribution limits? Was it uh, the redistricting proposals? Was it the sunshine law changes? You know, the Missouri Constitution says we're only supposed to put one issue before the voters at any given time. This had almost a half a dozen, so I don't know what they said yes to. Uh, in the process of, do, of saying yes to that, that, that petition, we don't, uh, we dramatically changed our redistricting programs and our redistricting process is now under the hands of a single partisan office. So I think that's a terrible idea. So what we're doing is we're looking at ways to roll that back to make that process better. And we expect to have something for the voters to consider as they go into the election cycle next year. And so this would be, um, this would be a referendum that the legislature would put on the ballot. You're not looking for signatures on this. No, I, I expect it'll be something that makes it through the legislature. Uh, we'll have something for the voters to consider. Okay, let's go through kind of a, I guess, maybe a lightning round of some of the issues that you're dealing with here in the last couple weeks of the legislative session. Uh, school choice, charter school expansion, other forms of school choice, um, not really happening um, the way that I think a lot of school choice advocates had hoped. And when it comes to charter schools, it's some of your colleagues on the Republican side in the Senate that have been blocking it. Um, is there hope for school choice supporters to see an increase in the access to charter schools around the state at some point? Well, I, I do. On one hand, I do think we made some progress on charter schools. Uh, we, we got the debate further along than I've seen it since I've been in the Senate for the past couple of years. So we're making progress. Uh, will it get over the finish line with only three weeks, uh, two weeks left to go in the session? Uh, it's tough for anything in particular to make it over the finish line. So we'll continue having that discussion. And certainly if we don't make get something done this year, it'll be another priority again next year. But let's see where we get for the next couple of years. Now you're right that there is some concern and hesitancy even on the Republican side, but one of the things I like to stress is that this is not just an expansion bill for charter schools, this is an accountability bill for charter schools. This is actually going to make sure that when you have underperforming charter schools, there's an exit path for those to not continue to have control and be teaching our kids. We don't want bad traditional public schools and nobody wants bad charter public schools. So uh, I would really encourage folks that are thinking about uh, whether or not they should support this bill to consider this is an opportunity to put accountability in for the charter schools we already have. So we'll see. And last uh, month or so we've had uh, talk about the Title IX reforms uh, in the state on college campuses. Um, of course, free speech has been a topic too. Um, with the Title IX reforms, I don't know where that's going to end up being at the end of the, s the semester. Um, it struck an emotional chord with people on both sides of the issue. 
Mm -hmm. um, what's your assessment of the proposals to change the Title IX process in the state? Well, the, the proposals that are on the table right now are really designed to uh, make sure that folks that are accused of a crime are getting due process on college campuses. I mean, if you're a supporter of due process, you ought to be a supporter of the Title IX changes that are being proposed in the Missouri Senate right now. I'm a supporter of the rights guaranteed under our Constitution, so I don't understand why we wouldn't want someone to have due process rights. So I'm a supporter of the legislation, and uh, we'll continue to take a look at that. I know that's a very emotional subject, and uh, we'll we're not sure where that's going to end up here in the last couple of weeks of session, but we'll continue to fight that fight. And even if something doesn't make it over the finish line, that's something else that we're going to continue to look at next year and in future years. All right, people uh, want to know more about you. They want to be in touch with you. The way to do it is what? Uh, at Bill Igel on Twitter and BillIgel.com is my website. Once again, that was Senator Bill Igel from the state's 23rd district, and I do appreciate him coming on the program. Now, since we did this interview, uh, the entire situation with General Motors happened. Governor Parson is asking the state legislature for an incentives package for GM to invest about a billion dollars in the Wentzville plant. Now, that investment is basically being shopped around by General Motors, and as corporations tend to do, they go to states, they go to localities, and they say, okay, give us your best package, and then that will contribute to the factor of where that goes. So what happens with that is still to be seen as I record this, but the reason that was not discussed in the podcast is because, like I said, that interview was recorded prior to the governor calling for an incentives package. So be sure to check the Missouri Viewpoint's Facebook page for updates on that news story and from uh, news around the state. I post on there pretty often, usually several times a day, and you'll get previews of upcoming shows there as well. And speaking of social media, when you're on Twitter, just look me up at M Ferguson Media and please connect with me there as well. And of course, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you'll get alerts when we have uh, new information for you, which like I said earlier, it'll be about once a week, occasionally a little bit more, but generally about once a week. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thank you for checking out the Missouri Viewpoints podcast. Have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you again very soon.